You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 22 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm here with Mindy Carney. Hi. It's me again. It Can't is get you rid again. Of me. Yep. I thought I'd invite you to another episode. No, I'm thoughtful of you. But we invited lots of people to this episode, didn't we? We did. We've got quite a lineup. This is this is kind of a different episode and going to be lots of different voices on the Tech Coach uh, episode today. Yeah, so we'll we'll get to that in yeah. in due time. But uh, we got some follow up from previous episodes, and uh, I think the first one's got your name written all over it, Mindy. It does. So um, I have been investigating CoSpaces quite a bit lately, um, and CoSpaces just added this new feature uh, where you can add a camera into your CoSpace world. And uh, you can adjust like the height and where you want the camera set in your world. And then it, that camera will take a 360 image of your world and then you can export it, which is a new feature for CoSpaces. So that's kind of exciting to know that you can uh, not only share it in the normal ways of with the QR code or the um, link, but now you can actually export that and put it in different places. So I... Um, just recently joined the CoSpaces Facebook group, and they're sharing a lot of those 360 images into Facebook. So that's kind of a neat way to share it through your school community and not just with parents or um, that. So, And then um, the other thing they just added, which I was excited about, was that you can now create on the iPad only, only the iPad app. Um, mm-hmm. It's also available on Android, but it's just a viewer for um, on the Google Play Store. But in the iPad, you can also create. So um, a little bit more hands-on experience for the littler kids who maybe aren't as familiar with using a mouse. Um, I prefer to use it without the mouse too because I like to drag and drop with my finger. But yeah, so those are two pretty exciting uh, developments with CoSpaces. Yeah, it's always good when, you know, you find these new tools and they're actually committed to continually updating and and refreshing and adding new stuff. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, so speaking of new things, I think last week on the uh, podcast, we talked about how you, you can now add Google Drive videos to Google Slides. Uh-huh. And uh, we talked about what that looks like and some of those options you get for choosing start times and end times and right. um, auto-playing the video and stuff like that. Well, I kind of found out recently, just kind of by accident, that those extra options about starting at specific times or auto-playing are also available on YouTube videos now. I know. You told me that. I was super surprised. I didn't know that. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but you know. Yeah. Do you think that was an add-on with the video or do you think that was always there with the drive videos? I think it only came when um, they added the drive videos. I, oh. I never found it before as an option yeah. in there. But um, Yeah. And you just click on it the same like you do with the drive video and then those options pop over on the right-hand navigation. Yep. yep. Huh. Same way. It's nice. Yeah. I guess... I, I thought mischievously when I first saw that that I thought it would be a fun way to rickroll someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could you could just take a YouTube video of Rick Astley and then shrink it really small, put it in the corner, hide it behind a shape or something, or hide it behind lots of shapes, and then when it auto plays, it's gonna Rick Astley. And uh, you better be careful because you know I have access to some of your yeah I have access to some of your slide decks. I'm just gonna sneak that in there before presentation. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Surprise, I take one to ones right around the corner. There you go. I'm not sharing that one with you. Yeah, right. All right. So um, a new development, too, with Spiral, which I think is um, a pretty neat formative assessment tool. Um, Spiral has added a Chrome extension called Spiral Clip. And once you add that extension, if you go into YouTube, um, right underneath the YouTube video that you're viewing pops up this um, button that says something like teach with spiral clip or something like that. And so you um, click on that button and then it pulls that uh, video into your spiral account and then allows you to kind of like Edpuzzle used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. where you can add questions. Um, you can have open-ended questions. You can have multiple choice questions. And then the students uh, can, you know, view that video inside Spiral. That's a nice development too. I like that. 
Yeah, I think I talked about Spiral as a as a pick on one of our tech nuggets on a previous episode, but it's a formative assessment tool. It's now got four different ways to assess students. Um, so definitely worth a look if you've not seen it before. It's spiral.ac is yeah. their website. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Yeah. And last piece of follow-up, which is directly related to what we did last time with uh, Mr. Josh Allen. Um, I got a letter home from my daughter's teacher um, last week saying that they are switching their math curriculum to Engage MY. Wow. Or at least part of their math curriculum to Engage MY. They they took a look at the um, math curriculum that they had been using for a while and did another realignment with uh, standards and Common Core mm-hmm. and thought that actually they need something that meets things a little bit better. So they looked around and they found Engage MY and so that's what they're they're using for the well, rest of the year. That's exciting. I'll be I'll be interested to hear, you know, what you think of it and what your daughter thinks of it. Yeah, Maybe. I think it'll be a change because, you know, yeah. there's always an adjustment when you change from one uh, curriculum to a, another one, but uh, yeah, it should be fun to see how that goes. Yeah, and sometimes it's good to try things closer to the end of the year so you know for the start of the next year whether or not it's going to be something worth your time or if you should be looking elsewhere. So sometimes it's it's good to try new things at the end of the year. Yeah, there you go. So open educational resources in use today in Iowa schools. Yay! Yay. All right, so today's special... With news and updates. Got some new things coming our way. Yeah, okay. So the uh, first one uh, I came across uh, as, a, as a new update or something recent is I've been spending a bit more time in Symbaloo recently just because of uh, some of the teachers I've been working with at different schools. And I hadn't seen this before in Symbaloo. I'm sure it's been around before, but they have just recently updated it. It's their Symbaloo's uh, learning paths, uh, which are like lesson plans that you can create for uh, your students. And so if you've used Symbaloo before, you'll be familiar with their little tile-based bookmarking thing that they have going on. But this actually lets you create a custom lesson plan for, for students to work through. And you can add videos and web links and upload files and add text and add quiz questions. And so I thought, you know, when we're thinking about some of our blended learning classes where students can work at their own time, their own pace and things like that, choose their own path for what they want to learn, then this would be a nice thing to take a look at. So it's uh, Symbaloo Learning Paths and just got updated recently. You know, um, this is kind of a side note, but uh, I think I told you about this too. So right now I'm taking a class on personalized learning. Mm. And um, one of the examples was using Symbaloo as a digital portfolio. So students had their own Symbaloo page and then they were adding things that they had created Mm -hmm. onto their Symbaloo page. That's that's a great idea. I like that. I know. It's kind of a different twist on it. Something, I mean, I always just thought of it as a bookmarking tool, but I like that. It was a good twist, I thought. All right. So um, a new thing as well was adding rotational text or rotated text into Google Sheets. So if you have a text cell in Google Sheets, you're able to rotate it so that it's not horizontal, but vertical. Um, So if you have like a longer, um, I don't know, if you have a lot of text or something like that, and you want to turn it to its side and put it over like to the left-hand side of all of your data, like to label something or something like that. Um, Yeah, it's kind of something that I think has probably been a long time coming as well. Yep, and uh, regular listeners will know that will make absolutely no difference to me whatsoever. Yes. <laughs> However, here's another one that does make a little bit more sense to me. Um, Google Keep, which was uh, the Google's note-taking platform, kind of their equivalent to something like Evernote or OneNote, not quite as complicated, but it's now got rolled into the Google Apps for Education suite and is now also integrated into Google Docs so that when you're in a Google Doc you are able to pull in parts of your notes just by dragging and dropping them over or just pull up your notes for a reference if you are taking notes on something and then later you want to write this up in a more formal way. Um, So Google Keep is integrated into Google Docs and if you haven't seen it yet, you'll see a notification probably the next time you open a Google Doc that says, hey, do you want to open Google Keep and see what that's like? And then uh, you take it from there. 
Yeah, so um, this showed up yesterday for me. And um, I don't know if you knew this, but with Google Keep, if you, um, the Chrome extension, if you're using a touchscreen Chromebook, you're right. able to draw in Google Keep. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Yeah, so I'm not a huge fan of Google Draw, which might make people scream and shout. I don't know. I don't really love it. Um, but I had played with it, whatever, and had a couple drawings in my Google Keep, and I can pull those in as images into Google Docs. Very good. I know. I like it. Okay, so this last one that I've got on here is kind of like a PSA, uh, just a heads up for something I've been seeing a lot recently, and um, that's that there are some rumors that Apple will be refreshing their iPad lineup in March or towards the end of March. So, I mean, this isn't official or anything yet, but I was out at one school recently that said they were thinking about refreshing their devices and buying some new iPad minis. And in those type of scenarios, when it gets to this time of year, I say, if you can wait, just like a month or so, see if you can wait. Not necessarily because you want the latest and greatest iPad that's out there. You might, but the other thing Apple usually does is the discount existing models and make things uh, cheaper uh, so just to keep a heads up for uh, new iPads that might be coming in the near future yeah because if you're buying a bunch of them just a little bit even makes a big difference yeah it really adds up yeah All right, up next is our main course, Serve to You Piping Hot. Today we have a segment called Coach's Corner. And we have so many great coaches in our Grantwood AA area that we decided that we needed to tap into their experience and um, their advice that they might give to others that might be tackling uh, coaching this year or in upcoming years. We toy with the idea of having them on the podcast, but the actual technical things related to having five or six additional people on the podcast was more than my brain wanted to handle. So what we did was we got them to record uh, voicemail responses to uh, a series of questions. And uh, we've got those to share with you today. Yeah. So the first question that we asked was, um, what are some of the best things about being a tech coach? And Anna Upa, who is from Benton Community, and also Andrea Townsley from Benton Community shared some of their thoughts with us. One of my favorite things about being a tech or an instructional coach is when teachers can uh, see how tech can increase engagement and deepen, deepen the learning uh, based on how they use it. So helping teachers move beyond uh, just that substitution phase of technology and moving more into how can I use technology to increase engagement and um, motivation and allow for more choice in my classroom? How can I use tech to create a more student-centered environment in my classroom? How does technology affect that? And so that's been just fabulous to get to dive deep into that concept and help teachers make those connections because not all teachers are making the same connections. So I guess as a coach, I really enjoy getting to see where different teachers want to lead that and then supporting them along the way. Um, I think the best thing about being an instructional coach at Benton Community is getting to see ideas put into practice and seeing that collaboration and team building that our teachers um, do every day pay off at the student level. So I appreciate being able to help teachers set a goal, support them in their progress, and then see that hard work pay off when a goal is reached at the end, or if it's not reached, being able to modify what didn't work, learn from it, and try again. Modeling that fail-forward attitude and seeing it build in teachers will certainly rub off on our students also. And our teachers are so eager to try new ideas. That's something else that I really appreciate. And they want to find new ideas and new resources to make the biggest impact for their students. And the teachers that I work with are really eager to do those things. So I think that's one of the best things about being an instructional coach here is um, it's the teachers that I get to work with on a daily basis. All right. So some, some great thoughts there. Um, I'm just going to pull out one of the things that, uh, that Anna said um, at the beginning there. And, and that's how technology can be used for engagement and learning and moving beyond that substitution level, which 
is is a hard thing to to move teachers on from because that mm-hmm. is inevitably where you where they start. It's where I started. It's probably where you started. Yeah. When you start using technology, the first thing you think of is, okay, so how can I do what I've always done but with my computer? And that mindset of having to change and think about well, I might have to change what I was teaching before. Technology might give me more possibilities, more avenues to explore. Yeah, and she mentioned about how important it was um, to allow students choice and how technology often lends itself to that kind of environment, that student-centered environment, which, like you said, takes a lot of risk. And I think Andrea kind of mentions that, that too about how it's so fun for her to kind of support those risk takers that are ready to kind of try something new, but maybe they don't know where to begin and to mm-hmm. really celebrate their failures that they've had and how to fail forward. And I love that concept of failing forward um, because sometimes it's you just need to hear to hear someone say to you, you know what, it, it flapped today, but that's okay. We're going to learn and we're going to make it better for tomorrow. Yeah. What, what Andrea said also kind of resonated with me about how she gets to see the rewards of what the coaching does with the students in the classroom how it helps them improve with their student achievement and I sometimes think in the job that we do Mindy that's sometimes that's the stuff we don't see because we'll go in and we'll work with the teachers we'll do some PD we'll do whatever but and then it's like okay goodbye good luck Mm -hmm. and then yeah we hope we helped (laughs) yeah exactly and a lot of time I know we do help but we just don't always see that part so that must be a really rewarding part from uh, a coach's point of view Yeah. yeah for sure Okay, so the next thing that we uh, asked our coaches was um, kind of maybe the opposite of the first question in some ways. We asked them the first what the best things about being a coach was, and the next question we asked them was in related to challenges. Okay, so what kind of things are hard? Which kind of what are the what are the big rocks that they're still working to to try and break, and uh, you know just those roadblocks that they have to try and overcome as part of the the job that they do. So Mindy, who have we got on uh, on this one? So we're going to hear from Jeff Vaughn first, and he's from Anamosa Community School District. One of the biggest challenges that the coaches, instructional coaches, and I face is the amount of initiatives that are taking place in the district with a new student management system, um, implementing PLCs for the first time this year, and also moving towards standards-based grading. Teachers just seem overwhelmed sometimes, and not always ready for something else to add to their plate. So Jeff brings up, man, a struggle that so many school districts are dealing with right now is initiative fatigue. And wow, do we also not feel that overwhelmed feeling from teachers sometimes too about this is just one more thing? Um, I feel like people are going to the doctor and they're saying what's wrong and then they're getting diagnosed with initiative fatigue. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a real thing. It, it should have it its is. own commercials on TV. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah. it's just, it's a hard thing that's, you know, every school has got initiative fatigue in, in some, yeah. in some uh, description or another. And um, that's when things like technology, unfortunately, becomes one more thing. Yeah, and, right. you know, it only takes one more thing for the, the camel's break back to break. And then, yeah. you know, we don't want it to be technology, but we don't want it to be anything, really. We just have to pick and choose what we're doing. And this is a tough time for administrators, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a team, we try and find ways to just bring the tool in with what you're already doing so that hopefully it doesn't feel like one more thing. And yeah. just finding ways to bring it into your instruction to make you more efficient or to help your students be more creative. And But I know sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So Yeah, and I mean, even sometimes if it's like, I don't know, you're doing something that doesn't really look like it has any direct technology link. But if you have something that you can model the teachers, like maybe you're, you're doing a Padlet together to collect ideas for this initiative or you're in a collaborative Google Doc and you're, you're using some of those skills and the teachers are kind of learning a little bit of something new as they're doing it, then I think that helps too. Next up, we're going to hear from Andrew Fenstermaker, who's from Iowa City Community Schools. As I think about maybe a big rock or just maybe even a challenge I'm trying to overcome, I think a big one at this point in time is shifting people's thinking in what's best for student learning. Uh, I think the teaching profession as a whole is a very compliant um, profession where uh, we're heavily, it seems like, rule followers. We're, uh, we're given kind of parameters that we're supposed to stay within. This is our expected lesson, curriculum, uh, standard, so forth. Um, 
and we want to follow those rules because we've been given those parameters and, and expectations. And it's hard sometimes for teachers to um, think outside of the box and really rely on their pref- uh, professional judgment about, hey, these are my students. I've gotten to know them at a personal level. Here's the strategies that I know that work for them. And then being able to take a risk and, and um, really kind of innovate their instruction in a way that is not the traditional um, look or feel of a classroom that we're accustomed to. And um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest rocks uh, and challenges that I'm trying to overcome at this time is how do we get teachers to think differently about these students that we serve, this generation that has constant access, uh, requires strategies and instructional practices that don't necessarily fit the traditional mold. Yeah, and I think this is a really uh, valid thing too. Um, he's talking here about, you know, that there's always been a certain amount of, you know, how much leeway does a teacher really have in the classroom? Right. Mm-hmm. How far can they step outside of the norm to try new things without, you know, fear of any repercussions? I mean, things like, uh, you know, 20% time or, yeah, you know, right. makerspaces and stuff like that, which are kind of a li- very different way of thinking and adding yeah. those things to your curriculum. I mean, yep. how, how do you justify doing those types of things is, is, is a real issue too. So Andrew also brings up a great point about how our students have changed so much. He talks about how much access they have now. Because our students are changing and have changed, we also need to change and kind of shift our mindset, Um, like you had mentioned about bringing in makerspaces or 20% time or genius hour, whatever you want to call it, that um, kind of just making your classroom look and feel a little bit different. Once again, risk-taking, and it's tough and um, trying to figure out, do I have the freedom to to take this leap or do I still need to stay in the confines of what I've always known? And um, it's it's great to know that we have these coaches out there kind of helping people support taking those risks. Yeah, absolutely agree. Next up, we asked our um, coaches what some of their favorite tech tools are, and we're excited to share some of their thoughts. First up is going to be, once again, Jeff Vaughn from Animosa. I'm a little apprehensive to talk about um, the tools uh, that we're using because one of the best tools that I have found for our district right now is, oh, here we go, Mindy, Seesaw. No, really. Seesaw has just exploded over at Strawberry Hill Elementary, and the teachers love it, and I have heard some great things from parents as well. So I'm, I am thankful for um, Mindy's help with all of the Seesaw questions that I always ask her. Oh, and um, um, extra large on the Seesaw t-shirt, just like you promised, Miss Mindy. Bye. Well, why am I not surprised to hear Seesaw in this podcast, Mindy? Oh, because Jeff's after my heart. God, I just love that guy. Yeah, I mean, you sound like you really sold it well to him. He is, uh, he's, he's on the seesaw Kool-Aid. He is. He's drinking it up. Yeah, he, you know, he's um, doing a lot of work out there. And um, my, actually, my niece, my niece and my nephews go to Animosa. And my sister said, hey, um, my little guy, Zeke, now has a seesaw account. Like, I get to see what he's doing during the day. And she was absolutely in love with it. And she's like, is this, is this what you were talking to Jeff about? And I'm like, yeah. So... Um, I, I think he's hearing some of those things and as a parent, he's also experiencing it. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just been really exciting to kind of, uh, see that start up out in Animosa. All right. So Mindy, that obviously begs the question that, uh, are you going to be able to get, uh, Jeff a t-shirt? Yeah, I ordered Jeff a t-shirt. Oh, there you go, Jeff. Look for that in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, we have Frank Slaybar from uh, Mid Prairie. And uh, Frank's probably one of our more experienced uh, coaches in, in the right. Grantwood area. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he looks like a young spring chicken, but he he's been doing this for a little while now, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. So here's what Frank had to say. Blended learning, we are just kind of diving into that a little bit and seeing how we can ramp that up within our district. So we're one of the things that we're looking for is those adaptive software pieces that we can use. We use Lexia at our elementary, but we're also looking at front row math. Actually, we just we just went ahead and purchased it and are going to start using that a little bit more. And those those adaptive pieces we just feel like are a great tool so that our teachers can meet small group with with students and know that the other students are working on the skills that they need. 
I kind of have a big problem, a big beef with just putting kids on apps that might be in the general, you know, maybe it's just a basic math fact app or a sight word app or things like that. But I don't know, when I don't know that it's hitting the specific skills that those student needs, that kind of bothers me. So I really like these adaptive software pieces like Lexia, like Front Row. Um, I know there's others out there. Those are just the tools that we, we tend to use and, and we continue to look for more. Those are some of the things that are happening in the district of Mid Prairie. I look forward to hearing what is happening in your district. So Frank brings up a great point about adaptive um, learning programs. Uh, I couldn't agree more with him about having students use just, you know, an app or a website or something because they've chosen second grade and that's where their skills are at or whatever. Um, and those adapting le- learning programs are, you know, they're, it's, it's neat to know that somewhere something is calculating what the next question this student should be working on. Um, and I think probably increases engagement too, because students aren't mm-hmm. just, you know, going through the motions of practicing this or that. It's really aiming more towards their learning target and, um, strengthening, challenges that they might have, um, or really pushing them or extending them to on the skills that they already have too. So, yeah, I know my daughter's done stuff like this in the past. She's done front row, like Frank mentioned and Amazon's 10 marks and, uh, IXL and stuff like that. So there, I mean, this is, this is the trend that that is going on right now. And I think it's something that is definitely going to benefit our students when Mm -hmm. we're not like teaching to the middle and things like that, that they're getting that practice to, to move on and and do things at their level, which is absolutely what learning should be about. That's that's how we learn. We learn at our level. We don't learn at any other, our level. So um, we need to give our kids the opportunity to. So next we're going to hear from Andrea Townsley again from Benton Community Schools. Well, we have a makerspace at Keystone Elementary with many high-tech and low-tech resources. So getting to play around with those things and seeing how excited the students get when they use the makey-makey or when they create a project on the green screen, that's exciting. Uh, We also have quite a few Osmo and Osmo resources that are getting really popular, especially with the new coding and creativity apps. And students get to find their passion while they're exploring and problem solving. So the makerspace has really been a way for us to dig in deeper to help students find their creative voices and be problem solvers and and being able to think and problem solve on their own. All right. So Benton Community is uh, one of the school districts that I work with quite a lot. And I've been down to see their makerspace um, in multiple buildings. They've got this in several buildings going on now. They've really committed to this. They are really um, looking for ways to give kids that more creative element, to give them the joy of making and designing and problem solving. And it's really great to see every time I go down there and I, I see kids working with this stuff. It's just, yeah, it, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and you know, Andrea brings up too, it's high tech and low tech. So, yeah, I like you that. know, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be fancy robots or, um, you know, things that cost a lot of money. A lot of great things can be done with cardboard and yeah. make do, you know, make do's are like 20 bucks for a huge bag of them. So, um, or duct tape, right? So, for sure. um, it's more about the mindset, I think, of makerspace and um, allowing kids just to be creative, to design things, to reflect, to try again. Um, but I, I like that she brings up that it's not just about the technology. It's, you know, you can you can do it with anything that you've got. Yeah, and I think that there's this feeling that the, the older kids get and the further they move through the K-12 school system, the less play opportunities right. they have or the less yes. free, um, free time to do what they want to do is. And yeah. so just keeping that in that... Um, Keeping that in the in the building is, is a great thing to have. So our last question for our coaches was to offer some advice for other coaches that might be listening today um, that might be looking for new ideas or maybe are new to the role and are kind of looking for some guidance. So we're going to hear first from Andrea Townsley and then from Frank Slaybaugh. I think there are a couple of things that I try and tell myself over and over and over about instructional coaching. Um, one thing is that relationships are key. Trust has to be the absolute foundation of coaching, and this can't be developed without first having a strong relationship and building and forging that strong relationship with the teachers that you work with. B 
Be there with the listening ear for your teachers and you will pick up on entry points to support their students in their classroom and just they'll know that you're there for them and you're there to help them move their students forward. Another thing is don't try to be everybody's everything. You can't be. Set up a schedule and be transparent with your schedule. Share your role up front and be open about what a coach is and what a coach isn't. And be willing to support teachers by showing them rather than just doing something for them, even though sometimes that's easier. I think that's going to start off, um, start you off on a good foot to, to be someone that will help guide teachers, not to just do things for teachers. And then the last thing would be only worrying about things that are in your control, which is very hard sometimes. But when you think about your impact as an instructional coach and supporting teachers, we can't worry about everything. We only can worry about the things that we can control. We can control finding the most effective ways to move students forward. We can control finding new ways to motivate our students. We can control how we grow professionally. Concentrate on those things and don't worry so much about the things that you can't control. Best advice I would give to another coach of any of any type is to just really work on that relationship piece. Um, trust is so important um, for teachers to open up their classrooms, for you to come in, um, for them to be vulnerable, to share where they might be needing some um, additional support. It, it takes takes a little bit of a risk, and they need to know that they can trust us as a coach that will support them. And then as we're working with them, find it's really important to just remember that not every adult, just like our students, um, they don't all learn at the same rate. They don't learn all at the same pace. So we have to really kind of consider where they're at in their learning and um, tailor our support to meet their needs. You really have to just <clears throat> be receptive to where teachers are and their understanding. Realize that we're all learning, we're all growing, and we we just want to support each other and move each person forward in their practice wherever they're at. My favorite thing that Andrea says is that you need to realize that you can't be everyone's everything. Mm -hmm. If I, yeah. um, you know, I haven't ever been a coach within a school, but I can imagine that it would be extremely stressful to be pulled in so many different directions, which I'm sure they are. Um, and yeah. to kind of just keep that in mind, like I can't, I can't do everything. And I, I, I can imagine as well that maybe it helps you to um, kind of empower teachers to take some of those risks and, um, you know, to kind of get started on doing some things on their own for sure. You know, I saw um, something on Twitter. And I think I shared it with you guys. It was a, it was a T chart that someone put together, and on one side it said, "This is what IT can do for you." And then on right. the other side, it was said, this is what our tech coaches can do for you. Because, right. you know, when you're in this kind of role, you're yeah. bound to get people saying, oh, am I, my printer's not working. And do you know why my mouse is doing this? And, you know, that's not really their job to do that right. kind of thing. But I bet they get asked that kind of stuff anyway. And so oh, that sure. kind of fits in with that, you know, don't be everyone's everything because you, you can't be. You know, do what you're there to do and, you know, you'll be better for it. And so uh, one of the other things that I think both of these guys mentioned was uh, the the relationship piece right? and how important it is to have that relationship with the teacher. I think that's probably coaching 101, but um, there's something that our uh, our chief administrator here says, and mm -hmm. that's that yeah. um, everything we do well is because of relationships and everything we don't do well is because of relationships. Yeah. And, you know, having those relationships at the cornerstone of your your coaching is uh, is a key component yeah you know and Frank talks a little bit about kind of partnering with teachers you know and with that relationship making it more feel like a partnership um, so that they feel like it's a safe place to take risks I also think it's really interesting that he brings up about how um, just like our students adults are unique learners as well and that we mm -hmm. really have to honor kind of their learning process and where they're beginning and where they want to head. Because uh, I, I do think that sometimes that can be difficult because adults do learn in different ways than our kids do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those are the kind of things that you only find out really once you have some kind of relationship with those people. And, right. you know, sometimes it's you're not going to be sitting in there talking about their, their ELA goals or whatever. You might just be talking about, hey, how's it going? What's, you know, what's going well? What's not going well? And just having like more informal conversations just to help build that relationship. Some right. More. Yeah.
Anna Upa and Andrew Fenstermaker also have some advice to offer. A piece of advice that I would give new coaches is don't assume anything. Uh, ask a lot of questions to develop an understanding of the teacher's goals for whatever tech it was that they want to integrate. And along the same lines is help them start with purpose. So when talking to them about their goals or what it is that they want to learn about technology or how they want to use technology in their classroom, start with helping them develop a purpose. What's your purpose? Not just tech for the sake of tech, but more so how is this really going to make an impact for your students um, in your classroom? Some advice I'd have for new tech coaches is to, uh, first and foremost, don't think that you have to know everything that's out there. Um, being able to swallow your pride a little bit and learn alongside those people that we work with is more empowering than trying to uh, constantly fulfill the role of being a consultant. Uh, so if you keep that in mind, that you, it's okay to collaborate with those uh, colleagues that we have that we're interacting with and that it's okay to learn alongside with them instead of trying to be um, the jack of all trades but the master of none. So definitely keep that in mind that it's okay to admit that, hey, you know what, I, I don't know, what do you think? Um, secondly, I think uh, being okay with not uh, having the focus be entirely on tech, um, being able to know when tech is the right solution to the problem and being able to um, know when tech is not the right solution. Uh, there's a lot of great innovative instructional approaches that have nothing to do with technology. So just having an open mind of that while tech can be this flashy, fun uh, resource in our instruction, it's not always the correct answer for the problem at hand. One of the things I liked about uh, what Anna was saying there is to, you know, start with a purpose and mm -hmm. not not fall into that trap of saying, okay, how can I use Kahoot or how can I use, you know, Symbaloo and start with your instructional goal. What is it you want your mm -hmm. kids to learn? And then, okay, then we'll talk about the technology and see if right. we can enhance that learning or advance that goal somehow. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of the coaching cycle too is um, helping teachers identify what their student outcomes are. Uh, what do you want to see your students doing? How will we measure those things? And, you know, coming up with an instructional goal is very different than just wanting to use a new tool and finding a tool that meets, that meets your instructional goal. That's, you know, where your tech coach or instructional coach, whatever, will come in really handy, but it's important to have a student outcome in mind. And I think Andrew makes a really good point, too. He, he kind of says that, that, you know, sometimes tech isn't the answer. Yeah. There are lots of great things out there for students to be doing, and it's not always technology. Technology isn't always the answer. It's not going to make your students engaged. It's really um, – it can. It can be great. It can be exactly what you need. But there are, mm -hmm. um, you know, other strategies and instructional practices that can be used as well. Okay, so yeah, and I think the other thing that Andrew said that was was interesting was just being able to admit some of that vulnerability that, you know, we, we're learning too. I mean, these tools yeah. are, are new to us and we're still looking at some of the best ways to, to do this. So, you know, learning alongside the people that you are coaching is, is perfectly valid. I mean, it's not like you're learning to coach alongside them, but you're yeah. still learning the best way to use some of these tools or the best ways to use some of these instructional strategies and uh, and see how all they work out. I mean, yeah. anyone who's listening to this as a coach is going to know that not everything you try first time is going to be a success. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, learn as you go and, and see what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, the ed tech world changes so fast. There's so many new things coming out. You can't know everything. It's impossible. All right. So, yeah, I just want to finish this up by saying thank you very much to um, Anna, to Andrea, to Jeff, to Andrew and Frank for taking the time to, to do this for us today. Um, I know it's something that we've been wanting to do more of and that we may get some of these guys on as, as individual guests in the future because I think they've got a lot of great things to talk about and to say. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for uh, sharing your experiences. It, it's great to, to learn from you guys and to hear the, the things that you're working on. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So now on to my favorite part of the show. It's time for Tech Nuggets. All right, Mindy, uh, what have you got? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to start with this um, website that uh, one of the other AEAs in Iowa, the Keystone AEA, has created, and it's called the Striving 
Readers website. Mm-hmm. And on this website, they have um, just like a great resource for interventions. Um, there's instructional videos. There's a list of success indicators that you might be um, that you might use if you're um, observing a student. They've just added a new comprehension section um, to the small group interventions, and they've got this great flowchart that you can kind of take a look at. Um, maybe you're looking for uh, classroom-wide interventions, and if so, then it drops you down to this next section. It's it's a really user-friendly website. I'm going to put the link in our show notes, and um, it's definitely worth a look. I think it would be a great resource for classroom teachers. All right, yeah, I'm looking at the website now. There's a lot of uh, great stuff on here. There's like, you know, universal screeners and yep. and uh, class interventions and instructional strategies. So, yeah, all kinds of uh, good stuff. Um, I think that would be something that, that our literacy team should definitely take a look at too. There's some, uh, some great stuff on there. Yeah, there is. What do you got? Well, what have I got? Um, yeah. Can you, how would you pronounce my uh, tech nugget? It's the one that starts with K. Cupiter. That's why I, I think, okay, so Cupiter, like Jupiter? Yeah. Okay, so I came across this website, or actually the guy emailed me, fell into my inbox, it's called cupiter.org, which okay. I thought was kind of quirky, but um, Mindy, you're probably too young to know what this is, but there used to I be there used yes. to be a game called Asteroids. Yes. Where you were like this little triangle that spun around and these strange blocks came flying yeah. at you and you would yeah. go do 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 and you, you'd explode them and make them blow up. So uh-huh. it's kind of based on that, except what it what it does is it brings in, you can bring in a, a quiz from um, Quizlet and import that in like a flashcard quiz or you can create your own quiz or you can upload one from an Excel file or something like that. And it takes oh. the words, the answers to... Um, the, the problem it will give you a question like I don't know what is this word in Spanish and then suddenly yep. all these blocks start appearing and floating through space at you and you shoot the letter that you think it spells out the word basically so yeah so it says on their website we believe studying shouldn't be boring so it's right. a game based um, tool I mean I don't, I don't know it, it's kind of for um, it's like a study guide a revision type of thing yeah, and then, right. I know Quizlet comes with some of those types of types of games that you can do yeah. with Quizlet cards and stuff like that. But this just be another different way to do it. Something fun to add to your toolbox once in a while to get the old asteroid spaceship out and start blasting some space rocks and uh, getting some power-ups and good stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm. this is the first time I've laid eyes on this, and you might not know this answer either. But So could students create their own? Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Interesting. Cupiter. Cupiter. I like the name. Yeah. Yeah, Cupiter. All right. So um, my website is actually, or my next tech nugget is probably not necessarily new, but I don't think anything that we've mentioned on the show. And it's a website called Instructables. And what I like about this is that you can go and kind of explore the website and find something that you want to learn about. Um, some of the categories that I came across were Minecraft, so really great for teachers to go in and kind of get started with Minecraft. There's step-by-step tutorials. Um, other categories were creating robots, um, cooking, paper mache, costume design. I mean, like all of these different areas of interest. So if you're looking to kind of get started with something, it's a place you can kind of go to get some tutorials. So um, I could kind of see this being used, especially with those teachers that are maybe just trying to investigate makerspace and need a little bit more structure for right now. Um, or even those kids that just, you know, I have an idea that I really want to learn more about. It'd be a great place to send your students. Yeah, Amber's a big fan of this, and uh, I know it fits in with a lot of the maker stuff she does, so I'm sure her and Jason would uh, definitely recommend that one. Yeah, for sure. All right, so my uh, second pick is one that's been around for a little while. It's just been on my list to explore, and I just haven't got around to exploring it, but I've been playing with Flipgrid, Mindy. Yeah, I know. I've heard you talk about it. So, yeah, it's kind of similar to Recap, which I know you've talked about in the past, Mindy. Yep. Um, and the way this works is, I mean, there's there's a free and a paid version to this, as you would 
expect perhaps but mm-hmm. um you get a in the free version you get one grid and your grid is like your classroom where the okay. students would go to uh, view topics or and uh, they're going to record responses to prompts that you put out there as a teacher and okay. the grids can be open kind of public type things or they can be locked and you can actually embed them into an lms or a website which I thought was kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So so you as a teacher create a topic um, for the kids and, you know, this could be something that you want them to discuss or, you know, reply to in some way. And the students do that um, with video responses. So they can respond on their phones or on their laptops and different devices. Um, They have unlimited retakes which is good just like we are we have on the podcast mindy we have unlimited retakes and we go back and we edit out all our mistakes um and they can pause and then they can resume it and they can flip the camera around to the other side if they want to show something that they are looking at which is kind of an interesting thing too um and then replies as well so you can prompt the students to ask questions and explore each other's uh, perspectives by replying to other students on there Mm, and uh, those videos can obviously you know just lead to other discussions altogether so you can like other people's videos you know tap tap the heart to give them a like and uh, can i ask a question can i ask a question sure okay so are can teachers pull content into this like with recap you as a teacher can put a video and like pose a question for the kids to respond to. But this sounds much more in-depth than that. So can they pull in content, like a link for an article or something that they want, a video, whatever, and then the students can respond to that? Is that what I'm understanding? Well, that's kind of an interesting segue, Mindy, because I just got an update from them um, saying that they've done some updates, and that was today. (laughs) Uh, One of those updates was the ability to add custom topic videos. So you can record a video as a teacher and say, hey, what do you think about this? You can upload a video, or you can embed a video from YouTube. So they can go there and they can see that as well. And you can also add like a little text prompt as well. But um, being Mm -hmm. able to add those YouTube videos as prompts is is kind of fun. So one of the other nice things about this is that um, there's the feedback and assessment part to it as well. So that, Mm. you know, when students have responded... Um, you can actually give them like a, a grade for their presentation as well as mm. a grade for the idea they had and a little text box, comment box for you to leave them some feedback on what you thought well, of yeah. their response on there. So it helps you individualize that um, risk response out to, to students. So it's called Flipgrid. Um, the free version is called Flipgrid 1. And mm-hmm. you get one grid, so one, grid, one yeah. classroom, basically. If you think about Google okay. Classroom with all the classrooms you have, well, you only get one classroom for free. Um, yeah. But you get unlimited students, unlimited topics, unlimited responses, um, and video transcriptions. And Really? Yes. Huh. Um, and it's free iPhone, iPad, and Android apps. That's a good one. I'm going to definitely take a look at that. Put it on your list, Mindy. I will, for sure. Well, I have one more tech nugget, but it's not really tech so much as it is a nugget like a chicken nugget <laughs> like a chicken nugget oh dear uh let's have you heard about mcdonald's tell me <laughs> so mcdonald's has announced plans to possibly start delivering fast food in the uk because what they're saying is that almost like it's like 75% of the population in the United States as well live within three miles of McDonald's. Huh. That's quite the statistic. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, but their sales are way down, right? So they've had like, I think it was like 500 million fewer transactions this year than they have in the past. Okay. So they're trying to get the food to the people. They're going to drive it to your house. No, this is just a possibility, right? But one thing that they are doing in the United States is that they are planning on um, having a mobile ordering system. So you can order your McDonald's through, I'm assuming, what's going to be an app and also pay for it so that your food is quicker, faster, and more available at McDonald's. There you go. You might never need to leave the house again. (laughs) Maybe not. So that's my nugget for today.
All right, so let's move on to uh, my podcast picks of the week. Hey, I changed the name of this. Did you not know this? Okay. I'm calling it Jonathan's Catch of the Day. Oh, I like it. Okay. Jonathan is the Catch of the Day. What? <laughs> let's not push it. Okay. Um, Continue. So my first, I'll, I'll go with the non-educational pick uh, first, although it's kind of educational. I really like okay. this podcast. It's called 20,000 Hertz, which is an audio reference uh, because this podcast is all about sound and the sounds that we hear and experience as we go through life. These are pretty short podcasts. These ones are about 20 minutes long. But, you know, oh. the last one I listened to was about sounds that cars make. And did you know mm. that... There are some manufacturers now that are taking the noise of a, of an engine and playing that artificially through the car speakers. Because their cars are silent? Yes, because there's so much insulation and stuff like that. And, and because the engines are tuned different ways and they want to make it sound like a, like a sports car. So they take the noise yes. of a sports car and they play it through your speakers. As they should, because you know I like a loud vehicle. I do know Def- that, yeah. <laughs> It is kind of interesting. Like the other one I came across was, did you know that all movie soundtracks have a soundtrack for the blind and visually impaired? I know. You turn that on and what it is, is as well as hearing the dialogue in the movie, the parts where, you know, it's visual and um, there's people, I don't know, walking in a door, it will say, and this character walks through the door. And it yes. tells you what is happening, and there's that audio soundtrack that goes with it, and they talk about how that is made and stuff like that. And they talk about, I don't know, sounds that are going extinct, like when's the last time you heard a dial-up modem or a dot matrix printer <laughs> or a CD dropping into a plastic tray, you know, things like that. Oh, is, I know. So it's all about sound and the sounds we hear. They talked about the NBC chimes and the voice of Siri and all kinds of stuff. So definitely check it out. It'd be interesting if they had a podcast about how sounds can reinvigorate memories. Because, like, you said some of those things, and I'm, like, in my head thinking, oh, yeah, you know, huh. That's interesting. What's your other one? Okay, so just to bring it full circle, my other one is called Instructional Coaching Corner. Would you believe it, Mindy? Oh, how interesting. It is a podcast done by two Iowa instructional coaches from... um, One's from Epworth, Epworth, and one is at Dyersville Elementary in Dyersville, Iowa. Uh So um, Greg and Jenny do a great job of putting together a podcast that talks about issues that instructional coaches might come across or just educational issues in general. So um, I only found it very recently, but I am already thinking I am going to love it. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's called the Instructional Coaching Corner Podcast. All right. Perfect for today. I think so, too. Yeah. So if you enjoyed the EdTech Takeout, we'd love it if you shared it with others on social media or with colleagues. Everything you've heard on here, maybe even about the chicken tech nuggets, too, (laughs) on our website, dlgwaea.org forward slash podcast. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Team Kearney and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAEA. You can also use the hashtag EdTechTO to tag the show or send us an email to podcast at GWAEA.org. Yeah, we have lots of great episodes coming up. I'm excited by some of those, aren't you, Mindy? I am. Yeah, so until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.